Deuteronomy chapter three, may it be so, O Lord. And we're in verses 12 through 29. This will complete the chapter. Poor old Moses. That's about the only thing I can ever say when I think of Moses. Some have said in the Christian community, now the Jewish community would would not say it this way, but in the Christian community, of course, Jesus Christ is the greatest character in the Bible, and second to him is Moses. And except, of course, for the Son of God and the exclusive work that he accomplished, it's, it's really difficult for me to say that one character is greater than the other, even though in the case of Moses, you know, his, his life extends through all the first five books. He's credited with writing the five books, the first five books of the Bible. <clears throat> and all that he did to lead them out of bondage and into becoming a nation. That's great work. But I think, you know, we have to really think about how each servant of God in the scriptures is called to a task, a specific task. In the case of John the Baptist, for example, that task didn't last that long. Nowhere near as long as the life of Moses. Elijah, a case in point, uh, he did a great work in calling the kingdom, the northern kingdom to repentance in bringing the sins of Ahab and Jezebel before their faces, defeating the prophets of Baal. Isaiah, he had a, let me think, I think his ministry lasted more than 50 years, I think, something like that. It's, it's hard to say that one character because at different points in history, God is dealing with his people according to the time and according to the world in which they live. That said, Moses indeed was a remarkable character. It's amazing how God prepared him for the work to which he would be called. He was, you know the story. You you divide his life really into three 40-year periods. He lived to be 120. First 40 years, he was in Pharaoh's household as as though he was a a, a child, a, a son of Pharaoh. <clears throat> he had, uh, the book of Hebrews tells us that he was educated in all of the way of the Egyptians and so he knew their science. Uh, he had their finest education, which in that day, the education of the Egyptians would have been the greatest in the world. Josephus tells us how he rose to be the commander of the armies uh, in Egypt under Pharaoh. All of those things went into his, his training. He didn't realize it. But Yahweh had him placed in a very special way. And he emerged. Then, of course, he, he did what he did in, in killing the Egyptian over what happened with the Hebrew slave. And he ran and he spent 40 years in the uh, Sinai Peninsula, really, as a, as a shepherd with the Midianites. 40 years. He, he didn't intend to ever emerge again. But the Lord, of course, knew where he was. Burning bush, you know the story. 
And he was called out to lead the people out of their bondage, the difficulty of the, the 10 plagues, uh, the, the difficult time he had with Pharaoh and the difficult time that he had with his own people. So you have the first 40 years and, um, and then you have the next 40 years in the, as, a, as a Bedouin shepherd in the Sinai Peninsula, just living as a nobody, but God knew where he was. And even that was to prepare him for what was yet to come. And then his last 40 years, leading them out of bondage and to the very boundary of the promised land. We also learned, of course, that Moses was not an absolutely perfect servant. Thus, he was forbidden to go into the promised land. And we'll see how important that was to him or how disappointing that was to him in the scripture that we have today, uh, tonight. But we also see that, uh, that Yahweh is sovereign even in the slightest details. And all these details are extraordinarily important. The whole history of everything is leading us from paradise lost to the glorious kingdom of the redeemed and from a fallen universe to a new universe, a new heaven, a new earth. That's, and this is something that is along the way and these things that are given to us are extraordinarily important to the progress of the work of the kingdom and to the process that is, that is uh, guided and directed by a sovereign God, the sovereign God. So yes, Moses was a remarkable character, but the only thing that makes him remarkable is that God was his God. He was empowered by and directed by Yahweh. And of course, Yahweh did whatever he had to do, whenever he had to do it, to make sure the people understood that Moses was his servant. So we've been seeing this for some weeks now in the book of Deuteronomy. At the edge of the boundary of the promised land, Moses has already been told he can't go because of his disobedience earlier in something. And so Moses gives them what he can up to the boundary. It will be Joshua's responsibility across on the other side of the river. It will be Joshua's responsibility then to carry them into to, to the battle and to dispense the land uh, as Yahweh would lead Joshua. But it won't be Moses. However, what is done to the people and the Transjordan tribes, for example, those fall as the responsibility of Moses. And Moses is giving directions and also instruction to this new generation about how and why the generation of their fathers had failed and how they should take care to be sure and follow even the, even the smallest of instructions uh, that come from Yahweh. So that brings us here now 
preparing a community to live in harmony. We've seen for 40 years how headstrong the Israelites are. And then from time to time, someone will raise his head and question the authority of Moses and then stir up certain of the people and there would be a problem. And if it was out of Moses' hand, if it was something so great that it got out of Moses' hand, hands, uh, Yahweh would intervene, something horrific would happen and the people would be brought back into the understanding that Moses is their leader. All of that though is about to come to an end because the older generation is gone, a newer generation will uh, inhabit the land and that means also there'll be new leadership, not Moses, but Joshua. However, the importance of living in harmony with one another, here are millions of people, up, upwards of about 3 million, and you have 12 tribes and they're very uh, loyal uh, to their tribal identities. And so na the, the natural result of that would be jealousy and infighting. But uh, of course, Yahweh seeks, Yahweh will, will move to take care of that uh, and continues to do so here in this portion of scripture and we're in this portion of scripture because it deals with the land actually that is the Transjordan land where certain of the people have said they want to settle and it's not really across the river. It's kind of interesting. Uh, there are all kinds of uh, theological journal uh, dissertations and treatises on on whether or not the Transjordan land was really part of the promised land. It's an interesting study. It's not my purpose here uh, to make the point about that. It is my purpose, however, tonight to show how Moses will continue to be the authority for God right up to the time that they cross uh, the Jordan River. So he continues to prepare the nation and the tribes to live harmoniously uh, with, uh, with one another. So with that, we're in chapter three and we've come then to verse 12. In verses 12 through 17, Moses, the inspired leader, the endowed leader still before he dies, gives clarity in the distribution of the assets that are, that are given to the people in the Transjordan area, verse, beginning verse 12. And this land, which we possessed at that time, now that's, that's in the Transjordan land. Naturally, there would be questions. This doesn't seem to be the land of promise. We go back to the book of Numbers and we will rediscover how certain of the tribes said, we want to settle here. Now they had defeated the people there and Moses came to an understanding with, with the leaders of other king, nations, kingdoms. And so that didn't present a problem. Therefore, Moses had the authority uh, to do what he did with regard to the Transjordan land. This land, which we possessed at that time from our air, which is by the brook of Arnon and half of Mount Gilead and its cities, 
I gave to the Reubenites and to the Gadites and the rest of Gilead and all of Bashan. The kingdom of Og I gave to the half tribe of Manasseh, all the territory of Argob, all of Bashan that is called the land of Rephaim. And we talked about that land uh, last time. Jair, the son of Manasseh, took all the land, all the territory of Agob to the boundaries of the Geshurites and the Maachites, and he called them even Bashan after his own name, villages of Jair, to this day. And to Machir, I gave Gilead. I gave, I gave, I have that in a bold font underlined because it's part of the divine inspired scripture and it teaches us that Moses, was, he, was, he, he was not presumptuous here. The time he was presumptuous, it cost him the promised land. He learned that lesson. He's, he's strictly following uh, the guidance of Yahweh and all of that was back in the book of Numbers. Maybe you remember it, uh, maybe not, but here's the point. Moses is still in charge. God is still divinely and sovereignly uh, leading the people, even to the details that are given here. And so Moses gives to them as their land, this portion that is called the trans, the, the, the land, the Transjordan land, the Transjordan area. To the, to the Reubenites, Gadites, I gave from Gilead to the brook of Anon, the midst of the brook and the border until the brook of Jabach, which is the boundary of the sons of Ammon. The plain, the Jordan, and the, and the border thereof, from Kenneth to the sea of the plain, the sea of salt, under the waterfalls of Pisgah, eastward. It's, it's detailed. The people understood those boundaries in that day. Uh, water given as a boundary and, and certain mountains. Later you see certain mountains and certain points given <clears throat> as the extent of the boundary. You will remember, however, that Moses said, okay, it is granted for you to stay here in this Transjordan area, but you can't come back and completely settle the land until you have helped us fight the battles and win the war and take the land of Canaan. You can stay here, but you're going to have to go fight with us until the battles are all over. Well, let's see some details that are given here in verses 18 through 20. And I commanded you at that time saying, Yahweh our God has given you this land to possess it, to pass over armed before your brothers, the sons of Israel, all who are warriors. But your wives, your young children, your cattle, for I know that you have much cattle, shall dwell in your cities, which I have given you. Now there is a there is a provision made for their families. Okay, the Reubenites, the Gadites, okay, we'll go fight with you, but we're going to take this land. We're going to leave our cattle here. We're going to leave our families here. You see, there is a work for the Lord. And also there is a concern, obviously, a concern and an obligation to one's family. It comes out here and it's a great lesson. And the lesson is, if you, are, if you are in the battle for the Lord, the Lord will take care of all the details. You see, Yahweh understands that the servant of God 
has a family life. As a matter of fact, the whole, the whole foundation of the people of God, especially when you read the law of Moses, is built on, on the basis of family units. Very important. They're given instructions on how to teach their children uh, morning and, and at night. Uh, the importance of uh, seeing to it that the children are obedient uh, to the law and uh, to the things commanded by Yahweh regarding the worship of Yahweh from his people. So this family unit, extremely important. When the fan, of course, that's ordained of God. That, that started at the very first man and woman. Adam, Adama, Adam, you have to remember Ish and Isha, male and female, make up Adam. Adam is mankind. And there is no mankind. Now, you know, you can extract from that word mankind or Adama, of Adam, of man, of mankind. You extract from that how there is uh, procreation. There's there, there are families, there, there, there are husbands and wives who have, who have children. And there is an innate, God-given love and warmth for family that comes from above and it's woven into the law of Moses and especially into the lives of people who are the people of God. And the, the family unit if it collapses, everything collapses. There's, there's nothing left. Family unit is under tremendous attack uh, these days. I won't go into all of the reports. I'm sure you've read some of them as well about, uh, about what kind of pronoun you're supposed to use. You're even and in some places in our country, you have to be careful with your own kids in school. You could, you could get sent to jail. If you don't call them, it gets confusing. It would to me, you know. So naturally, the family unit comes under this kind of attack. The families of the Reubenites and Gadites would be wide open to all kinds of attack. Yahweh's going to take care of that. Important thing to note is obligation number one, serve Yahweh and obey him. He'll take care of all of the details. So, but your wives, your young children, your cattle, for I know that you have much cattle, shall dwell in your cities. That's a warm word, dwell to dwell, which I have given you until Yahweh has given rest to your brothers, just as he did for you, and until they also possess the land which Yahweh your God is giving them on the other side of the Jordan, then every man shall return to his possession, which I have given you. Okay, which I have given you. His possession I have given you. So you see, through Moses, Yahweh is working, has already established that Moses is his spokesman. Moses is his authority. And Moses is telling these guys, don't worry about what you leave behind. Everything's gonna be all right. They'll be taken care of because you've been given this land it is your possession. 
You do what you're supposed to do in service to Yahweh and everything will be taken care of. It'll be okay. So that's a, that's a great warm promise that the servants of God should always fall back on. Yes, God recognizes the importance of families and family life. But the greater importance is our relationship to Yahweh, our obedience to Yahweh in serving him the way that he calls us to serve him. And he gives to us this calm assurance that within, within that calling and within that serving, other details, other details will, be, will be taken care of. So, last part of this chapter Handing over leadership when one does not want to. Now this is the account of of Moses here. I commanded Joshua at that time saying, your eyes have seen all that Yahweh our God has done to these two kings. Okay, the defeat of those two kings, we just talked about that last time. You know, the guy that had the big bed and all that stuff. That was an important lesson for the people to see that Yahweh is with them. Doesn't matter how tall, how big, how strong uh, the, the fighters are that you're coming against, doesn't matter. Uh, you know the old saying, you ain't big, you just tall, that's all. It didn't matter how, t- how high the walls were, Yahweh gave them the victory. Yahweh was there uh, to fight for them. We'll see that as we go along in this passage. So he says, remember, you've seen what Yahweh has done to these two kings, so will Yahweh do to all the kingdoms through which you will pass. They're going to fall before you one after another in the land of Canaan. Do not fear them, for it is Yahweh, your God, who is doing the fighting. He is fighting for you. You just have to show up Yahweh takes care of everything else. Moses continues, I entreated Yahweh at that time saying, Lord God, Adonai Yahweh, you have begun to show your servant, he's speaking of himself, your greatness and your strong hand for who is like God in heaven and on earth and who can do as your deeds and your might. There is no God. There's no other God. There's only one God. For all those years, Moses has personally experienced directly the power of Yahweh. Yahweh working in his life. Here's what Moses is leading up to. Moses is saying, this is good. I've seen, and I know that what's on the other side of the Jordan is even worse than what we've been through in the wilderness. I don't want to be left out on that. I want to keep going. Too many great things to see. Such a great God to serve. So he's, he's, setting, he's setting the scene up here. Nobody's like you. Such a strong hand, such greatness. Nowhere in the universe that can do what you do. So here he goes. Pray, let me cross over and see the good land that is on the other side of the Jordan, the good mountain in Lebanon. Now he's teaching the young people this. He says, this is what I did. 
I prayed. I didn't want to give up on this thing. I wanted to go with you. Keep seeing what Yahweh can do. But Yahweh was angry with me because of you. (laughs) And he did not listen to me. And Yahweh said to me, it's enough for you. You've done what I have separated you to do. Your work is over. You have completed your call. Speak to me no more regarding this matter. Moses is going to die. He's not going to be allowed to take one little step across the river. He's not going to do it. He wants to. He has witnessed and experienced the greatness of Yahweh and how Yahweh works through him and then through the lives of all of his people and the enemies fall before them and God marches them toward the land and there's nothing. It is an irreversible march. Nothing now will stop them. Regardless of all of the horrific stories of the of the giants and the walled cities and all that stuff, doesn't matter. Moses said, oh man, I want to see those people fall before the greatness of Yahweh. Please let me go. <laughs> you ever been, your daddy ever told you no? No, you can't go. And don't say another word about it. Okay. This is what happens. It's enough. You've gone far enough. You've done enough. You've completed your work. You've completed, and you know, kind of written into that is, and you, you, you did your work sufficiently. It has brought them to where they needed to be. So I don't want to hear anything else about this. But he gives them this. So Moses says, let me tell you what, what Yahweh did for me. Go up to the top of the hill and lift up your eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward. And see that land with your eyes. You can see it. But you can't go to it. For you shall not cross this Jordan. But command Joshua. Now here is your job, Moses. Your job is to to pass the baton to the next guy. Command Joshua. Surrender to him. All of the authority that you've had, I'll be with him like I was with you. This is your job. Surrender to him your position of authority. Strengthen him and encourage him. For he will cross over before this people and he will make them inherit the land which I'm going to let you see. And we abided in the valley opposite Beth pure. A beautiful. Moses sort of pulls the curtain back for that younger generation. And he talks them about, he talks to them and teaches them about the sovereign and divine guidance of Yahweh. That every point is taken care of. All of the details are cared for. That he hasn't overlooked a thing. Even the fact that some of them are going to stay in the Transjordan area, it's okay. Yahweh understands. Even though they're going to have to go to war, 
their families, their possessions are going to be all right because God has given this to them and he's going to let them go with us. And Yahweh has even taken care of me. Even though he was angry with me, he has taken care of me and he's let me go to a place where I can see the whole thing. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to see it. And now my job is to let you know that Joshua will take over leadership on the other side of the Jordan. So you see, as long as Moses and the people are on that side of Jordan, Moses is still in charge. And he's, his last thing to do, I think he gives them three sermons or three messages in Deuteronomy. The last thing for him to do, his final thing, is to take them through the review of how they become what they've become, what they've been through, and now their fresh new responsibilities as a, as a new generation, their new responsibilities as the people of God to conquer and possess the land, the land of promise that God promised to the descendants of Abraham so long ago. Well, we're going to stop there and we'll be dismissed with prayer. Father God in heaven, thank you for how you look over every detail of our lives. How that we never lack when we're committed to you and to be your servant. We thank you for that. We're humbled by it. We thank you for that every detail is taken care of even before we get there. And for that, we give you honor and praise always. In Jesus' name, amen.